0: Everyone and welcome to episode. I think we're just calling them episode name of guest now because we got confused with the numbers. Um, So and and actually,
1: I have to say, I think episode name of guest is even better than episode and the name (laughs) of the guest. It saves having to to do any thought at all. So wonderful! This is episode name of guest.
0: There we go. (laughs) And Rob, who is our guest this week?
1: Sean with a silent H. Wharton.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Uh, is that the silent hitch in his first name or his second
1: name? <laughs> well, it's, it's it's confusing and, you know, English is not my thing. So, Sean, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to have you on for an entire hour rather than just the, the brief cameos you have given us <clears throat> so far.
2: No, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Looking forward to our little chat.
1: So are we. When you say inviting us on, as we all know, um, we were let down by somebody really quite exciting. Uh, I won't say who, just in case we get a chance to get them back on another time. And you graciously filled in as the only person we could find at short notice. Um, So, Sean, maybe... Maybe... uh,
2: it's always a bit of pleasure, Rob. I'm just <laughs> so pleased I was invited. To, uh...
1: one, one day we will meet and you'll just thump me and <laughs> I won't see it coming. Oh, entirely deserved, of course. Anyway, um, Sean, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Perhaps you could tell us and everyone watching and listening a bit about yourself and your background in cyber.
2: Yeah, sure. So as, as Rob's expertly pronounced, my name, my name's is Sean Wharton. Uh, I currently work as a senior penetration tester with uh, somebody in the UK. Um, my background includes an eclectic mix of things, cyber and education. Uh, straight out of university, um, after studying computer network engineering, I went to work for GCHQ for just under a couple of years where I worked in signals intelligence and uh, offensive information gathering. Uh, out of GCHQ, I then went on to do a few things. Um, after, actually, straight after GCHQ, I worked worked in the job center for about a year before I you know, got my shit together. And then I decided to uh, do a, a teaching degree where I trained to be a secondary school teacher, went on to teach computer science for 11 years. Uh, eventually working my way up to assistant head teacher and deciding that that was not for me anymore luckily alongside that I'd been doing my own sort of pen testing uh, one man show and done various assessments for SMEs and individuals and basically pr- giving mates rates for about 12 years and then teaching I just I was just I came became so jaded and disconnected from the profession i thought you know what it's just time to pack it in and then at the, about the same time as i had that thought i got a job offer from a company called hack the box which i'm sure a lot of the listeners will have heard of and i joined Hack the box as head of content for a couple of years and then i decided i wanted to do pen testing all the time i decided i was good enough at doing it and yeah I, i'm where i'm at now and yeah, loving it. Absolutely loving it. Do some senior pen testing, some some senior pen testing, some junior pen <laughs> testing. <laughs> this is pen. presumably
1: not pen testing seniors or juniors,
2: but I don't test the juniors or seniors no. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, but no, my my job title is senior pen tester at the minute uh, with uh, a startup in the UK, and it's going great. I'm really enjoying it. Well, I still nice. like to keep my I still like to keep my toe in the. And the mentoring side, so I help out when I can, uh, as you know, with uh, Caps Lock, and I've got a few irons in the fire there, and just try and help out as many people as I can, really, to try and get into the industry, try and give back, because none of us got to where we were on our own. You know, we were all helped out by somebody somewhere along the line to varying degrees of help. So if I can just, you know, prod somebody in the right direction or give them access to a resource or give them a bit of advice or just listen to what they have to say then you know I'm, I'm always happy to do that
0: what made so you the easy route of offensive security over defensive security Sean
2: <laughs> what made me take offensive over defensive
0: the easy route yeah the the red team in rather than the blue team in the easy side
2: um <laughs> so <laughs> i i took the i took the red team in/offensive side because i found it more exciting I tried blue teaming for a while and I found, and, and I might offend a few people by saying this, but I found it boring as shit. I really didn't like it. It was just logs after logs after logs. And I found red teaming just super exciting and the offensive side of like trying to break into something and trying to figure out how it works and then trying to break it and then build it back up again, which found it really exciting. I didn't find blue teaming that, that, Thrilling, <laughs> and if I'm going to stick at something, I need to be excited by it. I need to be, I need to feel as though there's some sort of, I, I don't know, some sort of rush. I guess doing I don't I don't like doing boring stuff. Is, is the long and short of it. And I found Blue Team in boring as hell. They do an important job, and I respect you know all the sock analysts and all of that side of the thing, but it's just not for me. I don't like it
1: fair enough um i love i so say you've come from teaching we've had a number of guests on so far this series we've talked quite a lot about how uh, youngsters are coming out of education in preparation for not necessarily work in cyber but just life in general and something that we have picked up previously is that the education system in the uk doesn't really prepare people for um it doesn't prepare them at all well for real life so as a as a teacher uh, and a teacher in cyber how how can how do you you uh, join those together or what are your thoughts on that what could you do to improve that situation
2: very good question so I've worked in quite a few at school, uh, schools universities colleges um, as part of my uh, teaching career a lot of the schools in the UK especially have just from my experience and from speaking to colleagues whether it's in person or virtually schools have just turned into an exams factory now it's all about getting high up on the league tables. It's about, it's it's a numbers game now. So if you put into Google UK schools tables, you will see criteria such as progress A, attainment A, and all of this really boring educational lingo, which to the individual student means absolutely nothing. But in terms of saying as a school leader, we are number three on the points list because our progress eight score is 11 billion, for example. So all teachers do now is teach the test. You, you know, people listening might have children of secondary school age. And, you know, if they go away and ask the, their children, and, and I know the past 18, 19 months has been slightly different because of the pandemic. But prior to that, it has just been a numbers game. It's been about getting the highest numbers and by that you will just teach the test religiously. You will not deviate from what's on the syllabus slash curriculum and you will just get them through that as quick and as painless as possible. Now, in relation to cyber, well, you have a look at where cyber security is on the curriculum for 14 to 16 year olds. I challenge anybody to look and try and find uh, a course or a qualification that gives anybody leaving secondary school wanting to go into cybersecurity a good start compared to something such as, um, you know, maths or science or, or any of the, you know, any social science, for example, there is nothing. If you have a look at GCSE computer science, which is not necessarily cybersecurity, but is definitely the closest thing out there. There's very very little. It's uh, it's basically how not to get fished, or it will teach you the bare keywords like what's malware, what is. What's how extortion.
0: do we how, enlighten us? How do we not get fished? Because it
2: happens to all of us all the time. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Good question. Maybe just forget about it because it was so long ago. But it, in terms of in terms of the qualifications, they are not fit for purpose. Now I was lucky enough to teach in. A computing specialist college before I left that was the last place that I worked Um I was uh, head of department uh, head of computing at uh, a really really good school near me and I had pretty much carte blanche as to what I taught uh, outside of the curriculum so they gave the students quite a lot of time just to be taught by members of staff, whether that's obviously get them the qualifications, but outside of that, you know, teach them some extracurricular enrichment type topics. So in my classroom, uh, I had a, a like what what I refer to as the dirty network uh, of computers. I just let students just you know break them, build them, knock them down. You know, you know there was. Uh, Kali Linux on there there was an active directory environment and after school you know two days a week I'd teach them basic hacking techniques you know I had a 16 year old uh, get to the top 10 of hack the box Uh, I've had students leave there and then go on to study cybersecurity. you know at universities you know around around the country so in answer to your question how do we get students that are of school leaving age to where they need to be at that age ready to sort of embark on a career there needs to be a complete overhaul of the qualifications offered or what's at least recognized by schools and authorities Uh, because at the minute it's just not fit for purpose another thing is having teachers that can actually do it you know because there's a massive teaching shortage anyway like if i was to give up cyber today i could get a job tomorrow easy in teaching. And that's not being being a, a, a shithead saying, you know, look at me, I'm the big I am. No, because there's such a shortage of teachers like everywhere. Um so like somebody like with me with my experience, you know, in teaching and cyber said, Can I teach cybersecurity security and like, yes. <laughs> of course you can, yeah. Sign on the dotted line. Um but there's a real shortage of you know teachers who can actually a teach, and B, know the underlying technical stuff. So it's it's quite a complex problem, really. I don't think there's one answer. I don't think there's one silver bullet to to solve that issue, which is a shame, really.
0: I think we kind of touched on this when we talked to Lorna, didn't we? The fact that cybersecurity changes so quickly anyway for it to be able to get, for, the, for anything kind of cutting edge that's relevant to be embedded into a curriculum. Well, it's already not cutting edge by the time it's got into the curriculum because...
1: The The time it takes a curriculum to be developed and embedded and taught and Mm -hmm. then delivered.
2: Yeah, so I I guess I still work for them. Um, Some some of you might have heard of like Ofqual, which are in charge, they're the regulatory body of uh, qualifications for the UK. And I, I still work for them as like a subject matter expert. And what I do is like they would give me the draft curriculum for like computer science and I'd review it. But but that entire process takes about six years to refresh a curriculum. Like in six years, like six years ago in cyber, like forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. There's no point in teaching that. It, it it just isn't fit for purpose at the minute, which is a real shame.
0: But do you think they should be teaching more of the fundamentals of cybersecurity, like the things that never change? If you look like twenty years ago, people were still saying, Don't use the same password on every service. Like segment yeah. your network. Like there's definitely some themes that you can look across like every single year when people are coming up with the top 10 of things to do in cyber and the same shit comes up over and over again so including that and then maybe like networking fundamentals and kind of understanding how things work or how things should work
2: Yeah, there's, there's, there's always going to be like the mainstays, you know, password and, you know, network segmentation and how to spot a dodgy URL in an email and, you know, all of that those will always be mainstays. I think it's really important, anyway, to teach that at that age. Um, I would probably argue, probably a little bit younger, you know. Um, but w- there are some there's, there are some sort of advances at the minute in terms of like courses that are offered. You know, more vocational, less academic, more hands-on. But they're very, very few and far between. Because again, you need the, the you need the teaching staff to actually deliver it and actually be able to answer a question. You know, if, if a 16 year old comes to you and says, can you teach me about subnet masking? And, you know, a, a, a typical IT teacher isn't going to know anything about that. You know, it's it's a real shame.
1: But the let's just go back. You touched on the <clears throat> curriculum and the fact that schools are now chasing uh, teaching to the exam, and chasing the league tables and the positions within them. I, I found out only in the last week, actually, that the national curriculum as it stands was only introduced in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. So when I went to school, um, at the state school I went to, I wasn't taught to a national curriculum. I was just taught to what the school felt was most appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so at some point it was decided that uh, schools need to teach a standard curriculum so everyone's learning the same. I can see the logic in that. There's definitely an advantage to the to the workforce for people being taught and educated the same way. And then of course you get the situation that, okay, so we're teaching everybody all this stuff. How do we see if anyone's actually learning well enough? How do we how do we measure that? And that off the back of that come the league tables. So mm-hmm. how unfortunately I can't see that it's possible to avoid it. Now I accept that the, the league table and the positioning within it comes off the back of the testing and the grading. But you can't have one, unfortunately, without having the other. And you can't have either if you go back to the old way of teaching what you knew. So, for example, the three of us could set up a school and we would do a, a marvellous set of courses based around what we know. But I'm, I, I don't actually know either of you well enough to continue this metaphor all the way through. But I'm guessing that we wouldn't be doing particularly well in animal husbandry um because it's not what we have that's that's true prove me wrong amy tell me tell me in actual fact you can you can milk a bull
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) wow i don't
2: know amy can you milk a bull
1: (laughs) as i say animal animal husbandry is not not one of my my skills clearly (laughs) <laughs> but i've tried it a few times and the bulls never complained sorry I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving now <laughs>
2: this is not a school that we can take children to <laughs> <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> yeah but my point is i mean when i was at school I had a, a computer teacher who was really into it. I mean, computers were were pretty much new in schools when I was at school, mm-hmm. and he was learning from the manual. he I mean, was literally, sir, what's happened? I oh, don't know, hang on. Okay, yeah, this is what we've got to do to move this on. But, but he was excited and enthused by it as well. It wasn't mm-hmm. a chore. He wasn't going through the, the motions. I had a really uh, interested DT teacher, fascinated in design technology, and he... I remember he used to build teeny tiny miniature tools out of silver, like minute, and it was an absolute passion for him. Mm-hmm. And of course, that passion then gets transferred to all the people he teaches. Yeah, uh, I'm involved in schools now as a, as a school governor, and I also used to do quite a lot of work uh, teaching in schools as, a, as an external instructor. And that passion is missing. The the having to be capable at everything has replaced the need to be an expert in anything. And I think that's a, a shame. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not saying that I've got a better solution, but I do feel that the current situation has has taken away the passion that people used to have for a subject, and made it much harder for people to come out with any real clear I, direction. I, I, the think future.
0: I think it's difficult in cyber as well, though, because if you think about it, teachers' wages aren't exactly brilliant, are they? So if you're going to teach like pen testing to someone, and get paid thirty grand a year when actually that's just the same as a junior salary for most people in pen testing.
2: Well, in in teaching, you probably have to wait a few years to hit thirty k. I think the yeah. starting salary outside of London—I've not looked yeah. in a few years—I think it's about twenty four thousand. You get your first year, <coughs> which if you've <coughs> excuse me, which if you've done straight through unit and your first job is you know twenty four thousand, it's not it's not diabolical it's not amazing it's it's okay but like amy's rightly said you could if you know how to do uh, if you know how to do penetration testing you're looking at at least 35k to 40k as your first starting salary you know so why where's your motivation unless you want to do the noble thing and enter that profession you know go down the i want to make a difference route then that's great, but if you're solely chasing the numbers, where's the motivation? There, there is none. No. Coupled with the absolutely diabolical working hours, and let's let's call it the working conditions in some schools, and um, the occupational hazards, i.e., the fourteen to sixteen-year-olds who don't usually give a shit about what you think is a good idea—they just want to go out and have a fag, you know. So it's it's tough. It really is a tough nut to crack.
1: <clears throat> it's very very difficult something i would never want to do myself
2: and rob you're talking about you know showing enthusiasm and passion for something that isn't on uh, a curriculum uh you you'll not find that in most in the in the vast majority of schools like you can't you can't measure enthusiasm a school can't measure its success mm-hmm. on enthusiasm and passion they can measure it on numbers and hard data and that's all schools are these days which is again i know i keep saying it which but it's it is a shame
1: oh i mean I, as <clears> i say <throat> i was a school governor we had an ofsted inspection we got graded as good uh four out of five of the subcategories were outstanding but our data wasn't good enough yeah for us to be outstanding because we hadn't been good enough for long enough
2: yeah so the fact
1: that, that everything was outstanding was irrelevant we you know we can't prove you're outstanding because we haven't got the data to prove it and that's really demoralizing Mm -hmm. unfortunately within cyber we don't have that although the certification situation in cyber is quite interesting now the amount of people who are being told pass this qualification get this ticket Mm -hmm. if you want to do well you need these certs
0: I was just going to say, it's, this conversation sounds like it's translating into this search versus experience <laughs> conversation. <laughs> like We seem to have a lot, but I think it's it's an ongoing issue that's in cyber. Like Every single person that I talk to who's trying to get into cyber is like, oh, well, I've asked for this qualification. Oh, I've asked for this qualification. And I'm like, you just need to show you're passionate. But I don't think you, you don't, dear. I mean, some, some um, employers kind of coming around to that, way of thinking. I've seen quite a few job adverts recently where they've been like, you don't need to know the tech, you just need to be passionate, you need to be this kind of person, rather than being, you know, you need an O S C P and a C and a Cisp and a whatever else.
2: Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's it is really crazy how things have changed over ten years. Um, you know, you have a look at entry level cyber jobs now, they want in <laughs> years of experience oscp cissp they want a fully backdated blog it's it's it's, it's crazy um, and looking at that as somebody new you'd probably think oh my god where do i start like how much money am i gonna have to invest in in this that might not even work you know or i might not even like like i would say you know people starting out just leave the certs alone go and download a a virtual machine and just start playing with it you know see what you like see what you don't like get a list of all the jobs that are out there you know google the job names try and find somebody on linkedin with that job title ask for a bit of help um understanding that role and um, so i i think it's a self-inflicted thing though on the end in- on the industry you look at how many certification shops there are now compared to 10 years ago they're just everywhere and like, how, like, where's the equivalency? Like, we have company A offering certification A. We've got company B offering B, C, and C. Like, how does B relate to C? How does A relate to C? Like, if I go to an, a HR person, say, I've got cert B, and they're wanting cert A, like, how do they compare in terms of content, in terms of difficulty, in terms of applicability? I, I think the the real problem is that there is no central standard in cybersecurity, you have a look at other professions. Like, if you want to become a lawyer or a doctor or or a nurse, or you know, choose your profession, you will say right to do that job, you need to go uh, go away and do this very specific but course.
0: At, at that point, if you start introducing those kind of standards, then you're putting up more barriers to entry to the industry. You can't just go and be a doctor. You have to do like seven years of training to be a doctor. You can't if you start doing that, like. I sent you a meme the other day when it was like, requirements to be a hacker, (laughs) have a command line. (laughs) Requirements (laughs) to join the cybersecurity industry. Five years experience, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. It's serious, but blah, blah, blah.
2: And and that's the other side of the coin, Like People hacking organizations, like nobody asks for their credentials. They've got a terminal and and they're willing to do it. So why are we so obsessed as an industry to, to see what certifications you've got? when the p- people, you know, sending you ransomware, <laughs> like we don't ask for those, th- those people's credentials, do we? That's so yeah. it's, it's so double standard. But that's such a double standard. It's crazy. That,
1: that comes down to the financial implications of taking somebody on. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying I agree by any stretch, but when you go through a recruitment process, you need to have an indication of what you're looking for and where you start. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of certifications. I do terribly at them. I, I Any knowledge I have, I somehow completely manage to, to miss when it comes to filling in an exam. It doesn't mean I don't know it. And similarly, having a ticket doesn't mean I do know it. It just means that at that point, I was able to pass that particular certification. But from an employer's point of view, they need to have something to get hold of. They can't face-to-face every interviewer uh, every interviewee that applies so there has to be some level of something that you can you can work to and i can appreciate from their point of view that that's why that has to be done the the, the problem is when the hr team says this is what we're looking for and although that might be equivalent i don't know it is equivalent so you don't count because that's what we're looking at this line here
2: yeah i, I absolutely yes So. Uh... You know, from a HR perspective, looking at somebody's CV and going, oh, they've got ABCD qual. That means they can do ABCD thing. But I think the way that people are getting hired now in cyber is completely changing. I don't think it's more, I don't think it's anything, no, I don't think it's not anything to do with your tv I think it's less and less every single year. I think it's more about the people you know, the network that you surround yourself with, and the, the, I suppose it's it's the the brand that you put yourself forward as, you know. But we have a look at platforms like LinkedIn. People posting every day about, you know, a topic of their choosing. If I see somebody who's applied for a job with me, and I know them from LinkedIn, and I I think, oh, that's the person that talks about um, networking, um, you know, computer networking every day. They didn't really know their stuff. I really like what they talk about. They they're really good uh, at communicating. Uh, they are showing passion. They're showing enthusiasm. Um, you know, I want to speak to that person. Whereas if it's just a, a PDF CV, like I, you know, I'm reading words, but I'm not really, not really feeling um, what this person's about. Um, so I, I think. It's hopefully it goes away. It, it, there's less enthusiasm on the CV and more about the actual person behind all the words and all the certs.
0: I think my mentor group are going to think that I prime people to say this stuff because that's exactly what I tell them every single week. So if you're listening, gone fishing group, bloody listen <laughs> a bit harder.
1: <laughs> Don't no, no.
0: telling you to bloody do. <laughs> and get on LinkedIn because that is how people are. That's how people are finding jobs now, like and you don't have to be sitting publishing blogs, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be writing new articles every of every day, but having an opinion on things in the industry, even just sharing a news article and being like, "Well, actually, my opinion on this news article is x y z because I've learned about this, and this is informed my opinion like it just like you said, it shows that you can communicate, it shows you can articulate an idea, it shows that you can share information to people that are not necessarily technical. It shows you're enthusiastic, that you're keeping up with what's going on. Like, that's all the kind of qualities that people are looking for, especially in cyber. You've got to on a pulse with like new vulnerabilities coming out or new attack methods or whatever. Then, should like, yeah, just even following the news and having an opinion on what's going on in the world of cyber.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, if, if somebody's been interviewed for a job and ask them about uh, a vulnerability that came out two weeks ago and they go, well, oh, I don't know about that. And I know they're not uh, they're not really engaged within the, the the community, so to say. I know that they're not really keeping the finger on the pulse, and they're probably, you know, they're probably just applying as as a you know for a, a financial from a, a financial point of view, which is fine. That's not me criticizing, but it's it's really a, an em- employer's market at the moment. So many people wanting a job. Why should I say yes to you who 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 is coming across as Somebody who isn't really that bothered as a bit of, you know, a bit of a robot, versus somebody who I can see the passion. I can, I can read the passion in front of them, and you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's the way people are getting hired. Like my past two jobs, I've not got them from submitting a CV. I've got somebody approaching me saying, "I've seen this. I know this about you. Can we have a bit of a chat?" And and it's gone from there. It's escalated from there. So yeah, if if anybody who is starting out in the industry amy is not paying me to say this get yourself get your name out there get it you know post something even if you think it's been done a million times you haven't done it you go away and do it you make it yours
1: i have to say having having gone through caps lock at the beginning of this year and being told that i need to increase my presence on linkedin and absolutely objecting to the the suggestion that i should become in any way social uh (laughs) <laughs> I have to also, despite lack of payment, support Amy's stance on this because it does make a difference. And I am now commenting on stuff all over LinkedIn, not in a big way. I'm I'm not posting my original content because I don't know yet that I'm in a position to, to say things like that. I, I'm not confident that perhaps I've got a conversation starter, but I'm looking at other people. People are putting polls on. People are asking about things that I do have a comment on. So I'm commenting. So I'm sharing my thoughts. And then people have engaged with that. And that's how your network grows. So mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything that's not me. I'm just doing it slightly more publicly than, than I might used to.
0: To be fair, I did bully you into being on the podcast.
1: you In actual fact, if, if I remember correctly, I was only ever going to edit the podcast and the co-host never showed up. Yeah. Here I am. Now I'm just working out how to get rid of you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not at
1: all amy i wouldn't know where to go if, if you weren't leading i mean just as an example see what happens when it's my turn to ask a question <laughs> there you go. it wouldn't happen in mm-hmm. fact you know what at this point bearing in mind i've just driven us into a into a hole that we will struggle to climb out of Should we perhaps see who is doing the news this week? Let's do that.
2: Let's go to the news. Thank you, Sean. Bong! Here's the news. First up, the story that Facebook has sued a Ukrainian national for allegedly harvesting and selling personal data describing 178 million of Facebook users. Actions, it says, violates the services' terms of service. The suit alleges that the person in question created millions of virtual Android devices, each with a different phone number, and used them to deliver automated requests to Facebook systems using the Messenger app. Mark Zuckerberg was reportedly unavailable for comment as he's currently in Kiev awaiting the outcome of a lawsuit about selling the data of Facebook users. Hmm. Next up, the story that GCHQ is planning to pursue not only nation states deploying ransomware, but also the criminals behind the attacks as well. GCHQ boss Jeremy Fleming stated, We've got to go after those links between criminal actors and state actors and impose costs, before revealing that the government is not afraid to go on the offence in pursuit of that goal. The government going after criminals. Whatever next. And finally, internet telephone service provider Voight currently battling a major outage across all voice services, has admitted to being hit by an extortion-based DDoS attack from overseas criminals that knocked it offline last week. A DDoS attack took down the company's platform for nearly four hours on the evening of Friday the 22nd of October, Issues were reported on VoIP phone's status page at 1615 BST, shortly followed by an apology and a suggestion to customers that, quote, you might wish to set your phones to automatically fall over to the PSTN or mobile networks. It's a good job it didn't happen to Tesco Mobile, as the issue could have gone on unreported for weeks because no one would have noticed. You stay safe in the safe community.
1: I'm glad to see, Amy, that we've got rid of that ridiculous weather report. Not that it made any difference whatsoever. So that's an improvement of sorts. What? What, what? Do you mean you got rid of it? Yeah. Why? Well, it wasn't on just then, so I assumed that that was because you wanted to get rid of it. Oh. (laughs) Did you?
0: You just complained about it too much last week.
1: Well... (laughs) It's not like he was listening because he only did the one recording.
0: Well, that's true. Anyway, anyway, now we're back from the news. Why don't we talk about the news? Not this week's Ooh, news. Last week's that's news. That's
1: an idea. Last what, week's news week. in general. Things that have happened.
0: Yeah, like that pen tester that pushed F12 in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about that, Sean. How difficult is your job other than pushing F12 or pushing F6 twice?
2: Or you could push F4 three times. That is a bit spicy. Um, You can try it, but I don't recommend it. F4 twice or F3 four times or F2 six times.
0: So many combinations. There are so many
2: ways to hack the HTML source code. It is unbelievable. No, on a serious note, how fucking stupid do you have to be to, to actually go to the media and say, our website was hacked, they viewed the source code? Like, who the fuck's briefed that stupid wanker to say that? Honestly.
1: And, and I love that, that when he was called on it, he didn't... He doubled he didn't, down. He, yeah, I mean, really? This, yeah. Okay, so it's nothing to do with the fact that you had actually published all that personal information on your website, that wasn't the, the problem there.
2: No, like, if you dig a little deeper into the story, like, we can laugh, like, oh, F12's pen testing and all of that, you know, hacked, NSA hacked, CIA hacked, F12, F12. Like, he was talking about data that was publicly available in the source code for you, me, anyone to view. So why the fuck are they? is he calling them hackers when they've literally pressed a key on their fucking keyboard?
0: Um, I've got a Mac and I don't have F twelve, so technically it wasn't available to me.
2: Well, you're not. I don't ha- know how you
1: haven't got an F twelve on your Mac. I've got F twelve on my Mac. Nope. Have you got a Mini Mac?
0: No. Oh, I, I don't. I, no, I just haven't got an F twelve.
2: It's F12. true. It's not there. You can't to- hack. You can't hack the source code.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: right. you, oh, in fact, there is a workaround that if you right-click and then view source. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. a, a two-button press there's a two-button press yeah that's so that the, the f12 approach was was patched and then they found another zero day <laughs> in, the, in the right you, you could, source. You could it always
1: that. uh you could always plug in your hacker's keyboard with an f12 key Could mm-hmm. do. that's right that would do it it's not
0: really patched then is it that's still an outstanding issue apple blot <laughs> <cut> it out <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think Apple had the answer that just give everybody a MacBook and then you'll not be able to hack any source code.
0: And to be fair, there's no like USB ports to be able to plug anything into a Mac. So you won't be able to plug in a USB right. keyboard. So there we go. Problem solved. Thanks, Apple.
2: <laughs> there you go. No USB anything, no mouse, no keyboard. Although it has got Siri. So you could say, hey, Siri, F12. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't hack this. <laughs>
1: Now, now, there is a, a challenge for everyone.
2: <laughs> there you go. Let's so see
1: if I can get my Siri to press my F12 key and ruin this podcast. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but there, you know, we laugh. This is one of, of many, and let's let's ignore the fact that the Missouri governor, or sorry, the, the respected gentleman of Missouri, or whatever it's described as, was an idiot. The, the content was there should never have been there and this is happening left right and center time and time again why is it that people are not learning i mean it's not it's not difficult why do people think that they can can get surely someone somewhere says we should not do this this is not a good thing it's, there's it's, it's, no oversight no quality control
2: it's, it's pretty bad now like if you, if we rewind like a few months ago to till- uh there was an ics attack in america i can't quite remember what sort of control system was hacked but they said it was a a, a sophisticated hack unlike they've ever seen before and i thought oh that's quite interesting so i dug a little deeper into the story and i found out like you know somebody uh, gained access to i think it was temperature control in in a warehouse somewhere and or something along those lines and i thought okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna quickly nip onto Shodan now and see how many ports i can see exposed for this particular ics and there were thousands and i ended up just going like i ended up taking control of a farm in russia you know that was slaughtering cows and i could change the speed of the killing things i can't remember the, name. <laughs> the spikes that you know penetrate the flesh um getting a bit traffic now, isn't it? Um, but when they say it's it's a sophisticated hack, it's really not. Like, it's somebody with the premium showed an account and a bit of know-how. It's just really nothing complex. The problem is people not securing the shit, not the hacker themselves. And that takes us full circle to what you said at the start, Amy. Blue teaming is harder than red teaming.
0: Hey, you agree <laughs> Knew I'd get him there. Um, (laughs) I was actually talking to someone about this kind of thing earlier on LinkedIn because he was saying, um, like, why does Agile make things less secure? So I said, because when you do sprint cycles, things are going into production a lot more quickly than they would be if you're doing a waterfall project. So if you've got a web app that you develop it and you're just pushing it through a sprint cycle because someone wants a new functionality, Mm -hmm. but it's not getting security tested before it goes online, which is maybe what's happened with that with that government website where they've made a change to the website and they've, they've pushed it into production but that's no no one's gone through and like sense checked it or done a proper QA on it like you were saying Robbie should have been it should have gone through a QA process but with agile a lot of the time you're trying to just meet a sprint deadline so stuff gets missed
1: yeah but but that's just bad management of the agile process There's no, just because you're on on a time frame just because you've want to get it rushed out doesn't mean that you you pull steps out the way to achieve it you know it's like going like going to a doctor and saying we we've got two hours to save this person okay well we can do it in two hours however we won't sew them back up we'll we'll send them out with a massive great hole in the middle of them because we've done the bit that needed to be done and that eh, we can pick that up at some other point it's not going to be a problem unless of course they fall over and everything falls out of them you wouldn't. It's nonsense. It's just ridiculous. But-
0: you know, I don't think people see security as being a necessity, and that's where where the problem lies.
2: What?
0: Well, well, how many development companies have you talked to? Where, oh, I've talked to a few recently where the, where the developers are like my code's totally fine, nothing wrong with it, and you're like, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs>
2: It's like when you go to a pub as a youngster and they go, have you got any ID, mate? They go, you have my word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And at school they say my word is my bond.
2: Yep. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but oh, we, we've touched on this in the past and it's something that continually annoys me and will continue to until it's fixed, which will be never in my lifetime. We don't view digital security the way we deal with physical security. You know, nobody, I think even even the, the least savvy person would realise that having a, a six foot thick steel door mounted in a plasterboard frame is not going to help you mm-hmm. because... Well, you're not securing the entire situation you just, just
0: it's like that website if you'd put all usernames and passwords spray painted on a fucking wall in a building someone would be like i don't think you should be doing that
1: well yeah but then somebody comes along and says yeah no it's fine though because it's behind the curtain so so nobody will see it unless they pull the curtain back and that's they shouldn't
2: do that i think with physical security though it's it's easy to. This is going to sound fucking stupid, but to hear me out. Like you, you can see, like everybody can see physical security. It's not this abstract thing. You like, you talk to somebody about Cisco firewall rules as as you know cybersecurity. They're just going to turn off like that. Like anybody, everybody can see. You know how to, everybody knows how to badge in. Everybody knows that you know what a security guard is. Everybody knows what you know thick But so, you
0: still manage to breach that on a regular basis
2: that's true yes uh, i'm not saying physical security is any better than uh, cybersecurity what what i'm saying is people can understand physical security a lot easier than they than they can cybersecurity they can they know who's accountable for what you know so and and people feel safe with physical security you know if they can see it it's a lot easier to make that ubiquitous than cyber security uh, you you can put in, you, you know, you can put in badge, badge in, badge outdoors everywhere. You can put in CCTV, you can put in security guards, you can put in whatever, you know, um, you know, physical access controls and people will feel safe. You do know? you think
0: it's like the terminology that we use that makes people not understand what it is, though? Because in simple terms, a firewall is literally just a gateway between your network and the Internet. If people understood that.
2: Oh, I think the, the terms we use is it fu- makes us sound like fucking imbeciles. Like, if you think about the words we use to describe the most simple shit, like, oh, where's your multi factor authentication access token? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a like number speed
1: dongle that you gave me.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I think we need to we need to boil down, get rid of this fucking stupid terminology that we use. If we want to speak to, lay people about how to secure the ship need to put it in a in terms that they can understand and that's not because they're stupid it's just because it's it's sector specific you know if somebody from uh, an abattoir came to talk to me about killing animals they'd probably throw loads of Abattoir terminology. I don't know
1: why
0: he's using, he's using oh. that Russian. That Russian. That Russian farm came over and had a chat with him, and now he's over with all the abattoir words. <laughs> uh,
1: and Russian so abattoir so. hacks you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you you don't want to be going out in your in your bear suit. They're gonna they're gonna be after you. But the 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 industry does talk its own language. All industries talk their own language, as you say. But as a newbie to the cyber industry. Oh, my God, it's a whole new world, he says, thinking Aladdin in his head. It's <laughs> just, it's so hard to get a handle on on the the vocabulary that's needed. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not and even just the vocabulary. I think it's the sheer amount of fucking acronyms that we use. Like Way too I, many acronyms. When I used to sell Microsoft security, there was MCAS, AAD, uh, like ATP, MDATP, 0365ATP, like there's just fucking, everything's got a fucking oh. acronym to it. And it just, and then they switch all the acronyms around because they decide to have a rebrand and you're like, what the fuck? I don't know. I've only just learned the it, last lot.
1: <laughs> but it's like a club because if you don't know it, you're not in the club and, and mm. yeah, we don't need to, to worry about you because you don't know it. So, and it does make it very hard. If we spoke, as you said, Sean, if we spoke in language that made sense to the lay And if we spoke about the industry as something that that they could relate to, our job would be considerably easier because we wouldn't be fighting.
2: Talk to people like the CEOs. Talk to people like the CEOs, not the CTO. That's what I think.
0: I was talking to my team about cloud security last week. And we were talking about Amazon versus Microsoft. And I was like, Microsoft wins for me every time because I understand what the fuck I'm I'm looking at for a start. EC2, what the fuck does that mean? Just it's a virtual machine, just call it a virtual machine. Stop making it fucking confusing.
2: It's an EC2 instance.
0: S3 bucket. Uh, uh, Sam, I am. Nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute nonsense. Uh,
2: Yes, very, very difficult. But, but I think that's a, a really pertinent issue. Like, everybody's moving to cloud. Not everybody will use the same cloud provider. Not everybody will have infrastructure as a service or um, software as a service or X, Y, Z as a service. Like, how are you supposed to... And there's obviously the three main cloud providers. What we're using is different acronyms, like, you know, S3 buckets or EC2 instances or... If you go on AWS today, the amount of services they offer and the amount of acronyms that they contain per service, like nobody can keep up with that unless you are just focusing on AWS. I salute anybody that can keep all of those acronyms in their head alongside all of the cybersecurity vanilla acronyms. It's crazy. Yeah, but I I don't
0: know why we do it as an industry. Why do we... It's like we're already like we mo- people mind about gatekeeping, and it, I, for me, it's just another way of gatekeeping people. Yeah, end, are we mo- are we moan that you know? It's like Cybersecurity Awareness Month this month. Well, how the fuck is anyone meant to be aware of the cybersecurity if no one knows what the fuck we're talking about?
2: Well, they're aware that there's so many acronyms, so they think, "Well, fuck that, I'm not, I'm not listening." They just switch off. They just switch off. Yeah. Just put it in lay people's terms that they can understand, like choose a secure passphrase. <laughs> Don't tell anybody your passphrase. (laughs) Change your passphrase every month. No, don't do that.
0: Don't tell people to do that. That's really bad, really shit advice.
2: Go on. Tell me why.
0: Well, the NCSC says not to change your password on a regular basis because if you change it on a regular basis, then you'll have to write it down because you'll fucking forget it, where you should just use one memorable passphrase.
2: Not the NC... Oh, in fact, I'm not going there. There are (laughs) subsidiary of GCHQ. I, I respect NCSC. Good. Um, oh, I dropped my, dropped my money. Um, we'll probably have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I might. I mean, <laughs> you know, how we, much we're, is struggling,
1: it... we're struggling. We're struggling for content today. So, so who, you de-
2: who, who decides how often we should change our password slash passphrase?
1: Well,
0: technically, you shouldn't really have to change. I feel like it's every time I fucking talk to you, it's like a quiz. Um, I think you shouldn't have to change your pass. Phrase password, whatever you want to call it, at all, unless you know that you've been breached. If you've got multi factor authentication switched on, unless you know that service is being breached,
2: so you're saying keep the same passphrase. I'm not using passwords, we shouldn't be using passwords. You're saying <laughs> we, sh- we should change that, we should never change our passphrase unless it's breached. Yeah, what's the point?
1: Okay, I would
0: if you've got mo I if you've got as system, well. If you've got MFA face switch done and you've got a different passphrase for every for all the different services you use, you're have using a password manager, then you, there should be no need for you to change the password.
2: But what if you were a victim of social engineering and somebody yep. grabbed your MFA code and now has access to absolutely everything? No,
1: access
2: to
0: one service because they've, they've got one, one MFA. Service because
1: you've got multiple. Oh, uh, in case, uh, I mean,
0: as i've just fucking said that's being breached so you should change it
1: after they've been breached
2: as soon as you know you've been breached. As
0: soon as you know you've been breached i'm being in
2: i've been intentionally facetious now so right, i'll just are. say y- yep okay i respect your opinion and it's okay to have different ones it is okay to have different ones What's and also he's
0: so this- it? not being breached go on if it's not if it's not being breached and no one's got a hold of that password, what's the fucking point of changing it?
2: What is the latency between a breach happening and that data falling into an attacker's hands?
0: No, but I'm saying if it's not being breached, if there's been, no, I'm saying if it's if they've been breached, you should change it. So if you know they've been breached, okay. companies are responsibly right. disclosing that there's been a breach of their services, which they should be doing.
1: Okay, so let, let's. I'm going to jump in the middle of the two of you here. Because cause we have polar opposites, although Sean is being very um, accepting of other people's opinions. I'm not. Less so, Amy. Thank you. But there is a, there is a point here, which is you don't know if you've been breached until you have been breached. Yes, you're right. Theoretically, every good service that suffers a data breach should report that and publish that. But we <laughs> know that they don't we know that they will sit on it for a period of time whilst they try to mitigate their own financial concerns before they make it a public issue and during that period of time you are unprotected however a combination of things one multi-factor authentication so yes you have lost your your passphrase has been breached along with your user login but you have got a secondary authentication process which should still be protected because it should be coming to you it would require an awful lot of things not an awful lot it would require a number of things to be lined up for it to to all go wrong concurrently Mm -hmm. the other thing is we said not that long ago in this conversation about making things um, manageable for the layperson talking about cyber security in a way that the layperson can get their head around it and there is a, a problem with telling people to change every passphrase once a month i have got 400 at least separate passphrases to change those every month my god it's going to be like painting the fourth bridge
2: i'll see you in 11 hours
1: (laughs) exactly so there has to be a balance between you know how how you manage certain things and and how you manage other things um i mean my financial accounts i actually have multi-factor authentication, but but triple so i feel fairly confident that that's secure Mm -hmm. my i don't know access to to i'm trying to think of of one my access to a, a particular shopping site that i just browse in and have never shopped at and don't actually have a uh, any details stored in there I'm less less concerned about but I still have MFA on it mm-hmm. so you know I think a blanket statement for either one is not the not the solution I think from Amy's perspective never changing the passphrase eh, perhaps maybe not the best idea Sean's perspective of changing every passphrase every month well, I don't think it's going to be practical for the majority of people I think a balance, and more importantly, I think an understanding of what's at risk and how it's at risk, because people talk about well, you know I'm not worried about my my account because they wouldn't be looking to, to target me, but that's not the problem. The problem is not whether they target you. the problem is that they have got all your contact or all your details, and from that they can access more, and from that they can access more and delve deeper and deeper, and mm-hmm. the the average person does not get that, they have no concept of of that rabbit warren and how deep it goes so educating there i think would be far more important than saying change it every month
2: let's yeah. just change it every five weeks <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someday, Surprise. that'll Surprise. give me a week off to actually use them there you go
2: <laughs> i'm just giving you the gift of time <laughs>
1: Enjoy. oh thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> although saying that, I was in a, in a shop the other day and I, I went to use a new credit card and I realised as I put it into the machine that I'd never bought anything with it I'd never used it um, in person so I'd never put the pin for this card in and it wasn't what it was previously as I discovered to my embarrassment so I then had to take the card out take my phone <laughs> log into the app Code and face ID, text message, type my text message, then find out what the pin is for that particular card, then go back into the shop. Had to do it outside the shop because there was no signal in the shop. And just, oh, my goodness. And then say, oh, you can use our Wi-Fi if you want. Oh, no, no, I'm not using your public Wi-Fi.
0: To look at my credit card. You no, <laughs> to
1: no, no, no. check my PIN. I'll do it. Thank you. That's very nice of you, but no. Oh, my God. Absolute talk. Fiasco. But then, you know, if it had been my wife, could have done it all. Well, she'd probably have got the slip of paper in her purse and just t- <laughs> covered it straight across. Sorry, hard. <laughs> <hon. laughs> we know it's true.
2: I've oh, gone into the yeah. shop. Rob, what's the pin? <laughs> You'll be on the other end. Don't shout four. it out. Four. Yeah, I won't shout it out. Six. <laughs> nine. Four. Seven. Six nine four seven. Okay, I'm putting
1: nine four seven. Bank six nine four seven. Six, nine, four, seven. <laughs> Absolutely. We well, it's, it's when you phone when you phone. Uh, it doesn't happen so much now anymore. Thank goodness the PCI have, has stopped it. But I remember years ago phoning people up to buy something, and then you could hear them writing down on piece of paper your your card details, <laughs> and you're like. Are you putting this straight into the machine? No, what we do is we write it on a piece of paper so that if it doesn't go through the first time, we can put it through without it, without having to contact you.
2: There is a certification <laughs> provider which shall remain nameless for the purpose of the podcast. Um, whether they are ethical or certified or hackers, I don't know but what you do is uh, <laughs> what you do when you Grinchy. buy this particular course again not naming names um and again if this is ethical or not i don't know could be hacked especially if you're certified when you sign up to this course you put in your payment details and rather than using a uh, you know a, a system like i don't know let's say visa or mastercard or whatever the the sheer numbers of payment processing Uh, software out there at the minute they don't do that what they do is take the long strip the long number and the strip of your whatever card you're using your expiry date your, your signature code all of that and they put it in a fucking excel file and what they do is send it to head office in India for somebody to process your payment to undertake said certification yeah Wow, that is not secure.
1: Wow,
2: let's hope somebody it's certified uh, hacking, ethical or otherwise, doesn't get hold of that. That's
1: terrifying.
0: What is it? Maybe yeah. that's like the first part of the test for the certification. Like, if you're stupid enough to give them your details, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, fail. Detail.
1: So anyone who has got uh, who, who's got to get certified through this organization has failed by default they because have. they've gone to do it through that organization.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yep.
0: that th- this is—if it's the organisation I'm thinking of, you don't. Really well, let's 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 not name names.
2: It. Let's not name names. Not
0: naming any names. No.
2: Nope. No. Yeah, really it's don't. uh, it's it's pretty frightening. They they tout themselves as being uh, the, the 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 leaders in certain industries when the process impairments fire Excel and email. Fair. <laughs>
0: They're not a leading payment provider though either, so you know, they're just a leading <laughs> the leading certification provider, so that's, that's all right. right. Yeah, Friday. Friday.
1: I never said we did that bit well.
2: No, absolutely not. We <laughs> <You>
1: don't. It's <laughs> frightening. It and, yeah. and it's people it's about it's education, it's about understanding, it's about the logic of it, it's about the people who are um I guess almost a Afraid to challenge because they think the experts will know better when, and and it's an assumption. So yeah. often things are happening that are just absurd if you actually look at the detail of them. We've talked about this so many times over the past two months.
0: People need to challenge people, though, because I don't know about like anyone else, but like when I talk to people in the industry who I consider to be experts, a lot of the time they're going, "Ah, oh, fucking, I'm just winging it." People are winging it all the time, like. People don't know the answers to everything, and you just make people. People just make it up as they go along.
1: Fake it till you make it. Yeah.
0: yeah no one's no good. one's ever a fully fledged saddle, Other. No one's no one's actually going to be an expert in absolutely everything. People have opinions that make things that that kind of skew their view on things. Clearly, like me and Sean. Obviously, I'm a much much bigger expert in cyber than he is, um, obviously, <laughs> and we've just had a big disagreement about passwords there.
2: Absolutely. Like everyone, and, has you know, really I, I think it's really important to note that there was a, a mutual respect in that back and forth. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think anybody sort of touting themselves as an expert in cybersecurity is really dangerous. Uh, it's quite toxic, really. How can we be an expert on absolutely anything uh, in cyber? Like every, it's things are changing so quickly every single day that what you knew last week is no longer relevant today because something else has happened or there's been a development in a technology or there's been a a new zero day or you know a new operating system i mean windows 11's just come out like what's what's going to happen there you know there's there's going to be loads of things coming up in the next 6 to 12 months regarding the security of windows 11 mm-hmm. um, and I saw somebody on twitter saying i'm a windows 11 security expert i was like how <laughs> how have you done that that's that's impressive how have you learned everything about an operating system that hasn't been fully rolled out yet you
1: moron but this this (laughs) takes us full circle sure and i i love the way you've done it but i believe that my expertise lies not in what i know but in who i know that if something arises Either I know a solution, but far more likely is I will know someone that I can turn to or I will know somewhere that I can go to to get the information necessary to solve Mm -hmm. the problem, to find out the information. And taking this back, as I said, to the beginning, schools are not educating youngsters in those sort of skills. Schools require you to learn the knowledge to pass the exam. But you don't have any understanding of where that knowledge comes from or how you can develop it or who you can talk to to improve it and, um, you know, get more from it. And that, yeah. I think, is what is lacking. Uh, you know, I, I have I have children, a couple of whom are, are heading towards school leaving age. And it, it worries me that they don't have those skills. They mm-hmm. are being taught how to pass a test. They're yeah. not being taught how to learn, how to gather knowledge, how to use and and decipher information -hmm. um you know classic i read it on facebook it must be true
2: (laughs) just to just to how pertinent that point is like we take gcse computer science. they want you to for the exam learn how to add two eight bit binary numbers together and one student asked me one day why don't we do nine and my response was why don't we do nine bits per binary um per binary number i said the exam only wants you to do eight so i'm only doing eight which is a real shame because that person obviously wanted to know a little bit more. And my response was, You don't need it for the exam. So, why do I need to fill your head with that when you've got 12 other subjects to learn as well?
0: So, what are your final thoughts about pretty much anything we've discussed, from anything from double standards in the cybersecurity industry to ridiculous acronyms to pen testing? being done by pushing f12 any final thoughts on any of those things <laughs>
2: that is a, a wide chasm of eclecticness that you've just mentioned um final thoughts one the uk uh, education system is not producing cybersecurity aware young adults because it is not fit for purpose and it needs completely overhauling I want there to be more enthusiasm in people coming out of schools rather than just teaching to the test uh in terms of f12 pen testing i'm literally speechless over that um although from now on i'm just going to keep pressing f6 twice if i want to hack the nsa uh, because that gives me 12. and i think i was right about changing your passphrase every month to five weeks and that is a hill i'm gonna die on
1: i i do have one concern though if i change all my passphrases from one month to five weeks does that not just mean that anyone types in five weeks has got access to all my accounts
2: <laughs> look do what i do rob i don't have a rent rent. I put
0: all awful. of my money in a
2: drawer over there and then when i need to pay the mortgage i put some money in an envelope nationwide send that off because that's more secure um any bill that I need to pay, just get all the money out from you know underneath the rug. Don't use online banking, that's bad. Um, you know, don't even have a don't even have a bank card. In fact, just just pay for everything with checks or personal. I
1: loan. actually have gone one stage further than that, Sean. I have no money. <laughs> 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 Easier.
2: Yeah, exactly. Just just live. Rob the me, i things, things I'm you earn end up owning you.
0: We have got one more thing to ask, Sean. Go on. Will you come back next week and interview Jason Street with us?
2: You know what? Jason E Street, I mean, if we're talking about people who I admire in the industry, he is... for me. Not for me. If we're talking about people who we admire <laughs> in the industry, he is number one for me. He is such a, a cool... I'm going to say is such a cool dude. Some of the like physical, social engineering stuff that he does is really inspiring. I love the way he presents himself. I love the way he teaches. Yeah, I'll absolutely interview him.
1: Oh, fantastic. Well, it would be brilliant to have you on next week with Jason E Street. All I ask, of course, is that you are as professional, cool, and laid back as you've been this
2: afternoon. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I will try my best. But no, thank, thank you for having me on. It's been good to chat. Uh, about a wide range of things so thank you very much all
0: right so buckle up buttercup uh you're in for a roller
1: coaster of feels uh with me jason e street uh next